Welcome, welcome. This is the author edition show on the Enlightenment podcast. And I'm your host, Laurie Schoenfeld. This is part of the Authors on Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for all of those who are joining us live tonight and for those who will join us later on the replay. I am extremely excited to introduce you to our guest this evening, a dear friend of mine and someone who I admire greatly. Um, she inspires me consistently, author Julianne Donaldson. She's the author of the best-selling books, Edenbrook and Blackmore. And we're gonna be chatting tonight about her new release, Come Sweet Day. Welcome, Julie, so excited to have you with us today. Thanks, Lori, I'm so excited to be with you. And you have such a lovely speaking voice. You could really be on the radio. Thank you, Julie. I mean, you are, but you could also do it again. <laughs> Thank you. When I was a kid, I kind of hoped in my bedroom that someone would say that to me one day. So you just made it. <laughs> <laughs> All your dreams have come true now. Yes, they have. And I'm with you. And today, this evening, I'm really excited about talking about your book. As we were mentioning and talking, talking, talking is a good word, talking before the show, that I felt like I was really understood as I was reading your book. And I felt that I was just wrapped in warmth and love through your beautiful poetry and you telling your own story about hope sorrow and despair, as all of those topics are so relatable to each one of us, no matter what we're going through in different elements. And you really touched my heart in multiple spaces. So thank you for writing this book. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. I love, I love any time my writing connects with people on a deep level. And it's especially meaningful with this book because it's so very personal. So I'm so happy when it can make those connections and happy that you felt that um, like a warm hug. That's kind of what I was hoping people would feel. I definitely felt the warm hug. Can you share with us, Julie, what inspired you or propelled you to begin the journey of writing this book and putting it together as seeing it as a book? So um, after my divorce four years ago, um, around the time that I was going through my divorce, I was unable to write fiction. I just couldn't. And um, it's like that part of my brain just broke. And I also felt, you know, I write historical romances and I felt like I couldn't write something that I didn't believe. And at that time, I didn't believe in romance. I didn't believe in love. I was, you know, going through this, um, you know, so many different awakenings about how I felt about things. And so all of that was broken, but I have to write. I just, it's how I process life and it's how I know what I'm thinking about and feeling about. And so I wasn't writing novels, but I was writing little messages or little stories. And some of them I shared on Facebook and I happened to be Facebook friends with my project manager at my publishing company, Chris Schobinger. 
who's been a great advocate and support for me. And um, after I shared some things over a year or two, he reached out to me and said, oh, I just love what you share. And I think this could be made into a book. And, and I thought about it and, you know, everything I was sharing was so personal, not just for me, but for my family too, my mm -hmm. kids, you know, very, very personal. And I knew it would require like a lot of vulnerability to be able to put that into print and, and courage, you know, cause those two always go hand in hand. Um, but I really felt like there was like this, um, there was this moment and this was when I had, I, you know, so, so the divorce had happened, right. And then the backlash was still happening in terms of um, how my kids responded and, and how life was kind of treating us. And then my, someone really close to me was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And then, and then I was diagnosed with cancer the same year. And and when I got that diagnosis, I kind of felt like it was the last straw where I was like, really? I just kind of had this yell prayer, you know, to God. Where I'm like, you really thought this was a good idea to give me cancer on top of everything else? Like, why? What What were you thinking here? And the, the feeling I got, the impression I got was um, that... I was given opportunities to experience things and I was also given a gift to write about them so that I could put into words what other people feel and experience and help them to not feel alone. And it didn't come in words. It was just kind of this, this feeling I had, this impression, right? And so that really gave me the courage to move forward, thinking that this was something that I was called to do. Um, whether my audience is big or small, even if I can only reach one person with it, that was enough incentive for me. So I spent the next year collecting and writing poems. I mean, collecting poems I'd written before, but writing and processing and um, poetry is the best because it's bite-sized mm -hmm. and you know, you can, you can work on a poem for a few weeks and then have it be done. And that was so helpful for me as I was kind of getting over the broken writing brain to to have that kind of little bite-sized successes and that was a very long answer to your first question i gave you a lot <laughs> that was so beautiful because there are so many pieces it actually ties into one of the main reasons i loved just sitting like i would read each page and let it just soak in so it was more than just reading, like I put your book down and I paused to really evaluate what I was feeling and how it connected to my own life personally, of the bite-sized pieces that you talk about and the joys that you share within your book that oftentimes we think are so small, but yet are the huge pieces and the beautiful parts of life that give meaning to everything else. It's so true. And it was just, I think, I think finding, you know, anytime you can find a little bite-sized piece of happiness, you should definitely gobble it up, savor it, however you want to treat it. But but finding it is really what helped me get through my dark times. Can you share with us, there's a part where you're talking about in the book about the lights in your garage. 
I would love for you to share a little bit of that experience and what you learned um, with yeah. that moment. So um, yeah, so a couple of years ago, I was I was renting a home and I was really poor, like super duper poor, like didn't didn't even go to the grocery store most of the time, and um, and if I went, you know, then it would. It, I felt like, oh, if I go to the store for even for something I need, I'll see all the things that I want that I can't buy. And that's hard. So I'll just not go. Well, in my garage, my garage lights started burning out and I didn't have any light bulbs in the house. And first one burned out and I was like, oh, it's a little darker in here. And then another one burned out. And I was like, and then all I had left was, you know, the garage door opener box that has, you know, the light bulbs in it. And then those went out one by one until it was completely dark and it was winter. And, and I'd walk into the garage and not have a light to turn on. And I would fumble around in the dark, or if I had my phone with me, I'd pull it out and use the flashlight. Um, and this just went on for months. And every time I went into the garage, I thought it's so dark in here, but I can't do anything about it because I don't have a light bulb. And if I did, I'd have to find a ladder or someone to help me with a ladder or, you know, and if I went to the store to get a light bulb, I'd see all the things I can't get. And, you know, it's just all the things I didn't have just went through my head day after day, every time I went into the garage. And then it was springtime and the weather was starting to warm up and I wanted to get the bikes out for the kids to ride. So I was cleaning out the garage and sweeping and making it, you know, look nice. And I just had this thought like, oh, I should lift the blinds of the window. <laughs> it was literally the first time since that first light bulb had burned out that I had even realized I had a window in the garage. It was a big window and it let in plenty of light and I just wasn't seeing it. And, um, you know, I looked at the blinds and I looked around and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I could have been experiencing all these months of darkness if I had just noticed what was already there. And I just felt like this is such a great analogy for the way I had been living my life. You know, I was so focused on everything I didn't have. I didn't have money. I didn't have support. I didn't have someone who could run to the store for me and grab a light bulb while I'm helping kids get into bed or whatever, you know, like all these things I didn't have. And, and that can feel overwhelming when you are lacking a lot. Mm -hmm. And yet, I found that, you know, we were getting, we, we had a good life, even though we lacked things, we already had a good life. We didn't need the light bulbs. We just needed what we already had. And I just needed to recognize that. I loved that whole section as I was thinking of multiple spaces within my own life where I sat in certain areas in my life and had things all along, but I was so focused on what wasn't working that I couldn't even see that there were resources around me or I was already pushing away the resources because I was so focused on, no, yeah. I don't have it, that I couldn't even see any of that. Right. Yeah. And you know, the other interesting thing is, is I posted that on Facebook and within half an hour, I had three different women at my house with light bulbs and a ladder. And, you know, they were just there. And, and, you know, I had never thought to say to anyone, I don't have light in my garage. 
because I just felt like, oh, I'm doing it all alone. That was all I could think was like, I was just doing life completely alone. And they were so quick to come with their light bulbs. <laughs> I just thought I should have mentioned this months ago. <laughs> so there's that aspect to it too. Mm -hmm. When you were going through um, your healing after your divorce and walking through uh, what your body needed um, and what you emotionally needed through cancer and, and the divorce and everything that was circulating for you, what were the simple things um, that you did daily that was crucial to your survival and helping you just move forward within the emotions that you were feeling? during that time? Well, I'm an introvert, as a lot of writers are. And so for me, having alone time to really, really get in touch with my thoughts is essential. I have to do it every day. And um, I found hiding places. I've, I've got hiding places now too. I'm sure a lot of women have their favorite hiding place. The pantry, the garage, the closet. I had a closet and uh, you had to go through my bedroom and then my bathroom to get to the closet. And so there were three doors I could lock between myself and my children who needed me. And I spent a lot of time in my closet. And when I felt really overwhelmed, <clears throat> I would tell them, I'm going to my closet and they knew that meant do not disturb unless there's a fire. Um, mm. But you know, that, that alone time to just get in tune with, um, with who I am as a person and not just an appendage to my children and their needs. And also, um, you know, getting in touch with the divine and where, you know, where's my center? And for me, my center is when I'm aligned with God and I feel like I have a relationship with him that's give and take, you know, where, where he speaks to me and I speak to him. That's where I find myself centered. And so making, you know, just protecting that space and that time and that relationship was crucial for me. And I think that, uh, I think everyone benefits from just moving their body. You know, like I'm not someone who says, yeah, let's go for a run, but being in touch with my, with, with my body and walking out in the sunshine or uh, riding a bike or even just being outside to smell the flowers, I think is so good for us mentally too. Yeah. There's a poem in here uh, that had one of my favorites. I love, I hate to say my favorites because the whole book was so fabulous and I enjoyed every piece, but I enjoyed it so much, this one poem, as you talk about the different layers of grief and also hope that you need both with, there's the trauma piece, and but there's the healing piece. And that every step that you're taking through that healing, there's something else for you to look at, but it's also essential to you moving forward that you need that light and that dark element to truly understand the growth and the healing to move forward. Did you see that multiple times within your journey um, that that was what you were learning Where was those pieces of you needed that dark 
to understand the capacity and the empathy of whatever was to come from De- that piece. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's been one of the more surprising things I've learned over the past four years is that opposition is um, not just everywhere, but opposition is really important. Like it's really, um, like it ex- it's it's like an it's like a, a a physical law or truth or something, and and yeah, I discovered that like I thought that, and I've thought this all along the way. Oh, I'm healed now. I have come this far, and this is this is better than I was six months ago or a year ago. Therefore, I'm at a place where I'm healed. And then something will come up, and I realize. Oh, I haven't even considered that. <laughs> and you know, I and I'm still experiencing that. You know, I'm I'm much more healed now than I was 4 years ago when I started this journey. But uh, you know, just the other day I had this thought that that I will have to share grandchildren with my ex-husband and it just knocked me off my feet. I hadn't had that thought before and I just sat and sobbed. <laughs> You know, it's like the grief is never going to end. You will always find more reasons to grieve in life. But as my, you know, as my heart opened up with the grief, it also opened up with a greater capacity to love, to love myself, to forgive others, to experience gratitude for what I have. So, yeah, the opposition thing, though, uh, it's been the biggest surprise of, of middle age. Who knew it was that important? <laughs> I was laughing when you were saying, you know, like, oh, I've healed. I mean, I've definitely had that conversation with myself. And then, yeah, moments where I'm like, wait, what in the world is this? Like, <laughs> what yeah. are you doing here? Oh, no, no, we already did that. No, you have not done that yet. <laughs> Yep. When you um, were going through, walking through and forgiving yourself and forgiving other people and moving through spaces of healing, did it open up for you capacity to also lean in to other people and and to God and and to different spaces in your life that maybe was hard to do before? Yeah, I think, I think, what I felt like is I've been walking around kind of raw, you know, like, like before, I think, you know, there was a lot that was hidden to the outside world. And then when things became uncovered, I felt like I was walking around raw. And because of that, it was a lot easier to see someone else who was also raw and sit next to her and put my arms around her and cry with her. Like I was already going to cry today. We might as well cry together. And um, that's actually been a beautiful gift that's come from it is just to say like, oh, I know what that pain feels like. I've seen that look on my face before. I know what, yeah, I might not know what she needs, but I know I can, I know I can give a hug or I can give a listening ear or I can give a, I'm sitting next to you. I don't know what's going on, but I will sit next to you and hold your hand. And that's been, you know, that's given me some beautiful experiences. I loved the section in your book, Julie, where you are talking about being in your van 
and is not an ideal day and you're feeling some feels and you find a beautiful package on your porch of something that someone gave to you that was just so thoughtful. Can you share with us what that was and kind of that experience of how you felt in that moment um, from seeing that? Yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was sitting in my van sobbing <laughs> and, and again, feeling alone, which I think is the hardest feeling I've dealt with through this process. And um, walked inside and there was a package from a woman I had never met or talked to. It was, um, it was a fan of my books and I had posted something on Facebook months earlier. Um, maybe it was about my cancer, maybe it was something else. I don't, I don't know what it was, but at the time I posted it, she had this prompting, this thought that she should make me a blanket. And she spent a few months crocheting this beautiful velvety soft blanket out of my favorite colors that she didn't know they were my favorite colors, you know? And um, she, she finished it and wrapped it up and put it in the mail with this very sweet note. And, and, and it arrived that day, like the day that I needed to know that I wasn't alone. And basically that was what her note said, you're not alone. I haven't been able to stop thinking about you and and I hope you don't mind. I think it's so cute when people send me things and say, I hope you don't mind. I feel kind of silly. I don't know you or you don't know me, but I feel like I need to send this to you. And it's like, who would ever mind that? You know, it's like that's no one minds when someone else is thinking about them in, in a positive way and wants to show them that. That's always, always so welcomed. And I was just so touched that that she thought that through, and also that you know that God had orchestrated this this timing so that I, you know, from the time I was sitting in my van crying until a few minutes later when I opened my package, that's all the time I had to feel completely alone. And then at that moment, I was caught by Him, and I was no longer alone. So I love His timing. The timing is always, we think often that, you know, we have to be on a specific timing, but God already knows. He <laughs> <laughs> already knows, even though we, we don't, and we think we know more, we, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share with us a piece of your writing tonight that speaks yeah. to you? Yeah. Um. Okay. I mean, I guess I should have thought of this ahead of time, <laughs> which one I was going to share. There's one that I love, and I think it's because I can picture it all in my head. So maybe, maybe I will describe the picture to you, and then I'll read the poem. Um, hold on. Okay. Imagine you're living in in a little cottage alone on the edge of the moors in Scotland where you have no neighbors and it's windswept and it's cold and it's dusk and and the cottage is cold there's no fire lit and and a lovely woman 
comes walking to you across the moors with, you know, like a shawl wrapped around her shoulder and she's carrying a lantern and she's coming to this desolate place that feels abandoned. Um, that's, that's what I imagine when, when I wrote this poem. Hope comes cautiously in darkness, in winter, in want. She hushes the baying dog of old fears and tiptoes through silent rooms of loneliness. She opens doors that grief had sealed shut. Hope breathes on the cold embers of tomorrow until a new fire blazes. She sets a table laden with joy and bids the starved soul to come and feast, where she plays the music the heart most wants to hear. To the steadfast who wait, quietly, tenderly, courageously, hope comes. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thanks. I I visualized that when I read that the first time. I love seeing the woman to the lantern and getting that visual before the poem. That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you. We're going to take it to the inner child question segment. Are you ready, Julie? Yeah. All right. First question is, what is your favorite guilty pleasure treat and why? Okay, <laughs> um, my favorite, favorite. Okay, anything with chocolate and nuts. Uh, you know, I'm not that picky, right? Mm -hmm. But also... I usually have my freezer stocked with frozen cookie dough and it's, it's handy. <laughs> it's handy because, <laughs> so I'll make my cookie dough and then I'll drop it and on the sheet and freeze it and then put it the little balls in little bags. And then anytime I'm just feeling like I can't handle life, I walk into the garage and I open the bag and I get out one and it takes long enough cause it's frozen to just kind of nibble on it for a minute. And it tastes like a cookie, but you didn't have to bake it and you don't have to share it. And then you can like go back to life. This is brilliant, Julie. Right? Yeah, so it's like a cookie popsicle. Yes. Uh, just stress goodness treat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's okay to eat three of them because they're so small when they're frozen that they just don't count. They don't have as many calories. <laughs> I love it so much. This is my go-to whenever it's Girl Scout, you know, time. I'm like, you can have like 10 of the small cookies because it's the size of one. That's how I like rationalize in my head because they're smaller. It's totally fine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second question. What did you like doing when you were a kid that you still love to do today? So I, I had three main passions when I was a kid. Reading. I always had a book, which I still do. Um, gymnastics, which I, I mean, I can still do this, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's rough. And, um, playing the piano. So 
those those were my three main interests. So I still play, I still read. I do, you know, I can, whatever. <laughs> I can't do the splits. That's impressive. <laughs> All right, the third question, which ties to food as well. It's one of my favorites. It's kind of the shock question of what is the oddest food combo that you've liked and tried or you've just tried? Honest food combo? Oddest. Oh, oddest. You could be honest. I don't know what an honest food is, but I want to know. <laughs> okay. okay, this goes back to the frozen cookie dough. But um, <laughs> for some reason, so when I, I, I was living at home after, I mean, I was in college, but I was living at home and it was just my little sister who was also at home and she would stay up late because she's a senior in high school and didn't care and we would stay up late talking and for some reason i found my very favorite snacky late night combination was cheetos bananas and frozen chocolate chip cookie dough so <laughs> here's why the cheetos are salty and crunchy the bananas are smooth and sweet so you get the texture difference and then the cookie dough is cold and hard, but also a little melty. And it's just, you know, what you rotate Cheeto, banana, cookie dough, Cheeto, banana, cookie dough. I love it because I've never done those three in a rotation, but I eat in a rotation. So I'm like, yeah. I can see like, you can't have a hamburger without French fries, but the French fries has to have their turn and then hamburger. Like that's how I always eat. Yes. Yeah. yeah, variety. Make your mouth happy. I'm going to, the banana and the Cheeto, that, I'm going to go try that. I've never had it back to back and I'm a little questionable. I think it's just because I've never tried and it's such like different, you know, cheesy and then banana's got its own thing happening. You, you need to try it. It's a good palate cleanser. It's a good palate cleanser too when the Cheetos just gets too cheesy. Couple bites of banana, and then if you're really in the mood to treat yourself, have like a cold cream soda too. At the same time, cream soda is my favorite. Yes. Hi, yes. Hi <laughs> Last question of the evening is: What kind of bubble bath would you give yourself? that's playful to you and creative? <laughs> um, okay, creative bubble bath. Um, all I can think of, maybe it's just because you said bubble, all I can think of is bubblegum scented. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could actually chew some of it and it would taste good. That okay, someone needs to explore that. That could be a fun time, like edible bubble. Bath. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that. I would I would do that bubble bath, Julie. Okay. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can blow bubbles while you're also in the bubbles but they wouldn't be sticky that would be gross yeah no they'd have to have a specific texture there where it's not sticky mm -hmm. but edible 
-hmm. It's sounding weirder and weirder the more I think about it. But bubblegum ice cream in your bubblegum scented bath. Mm -hmm. That could be fun. All right. Someone has heard this. It's going to watch. This is like a really great invention. <laughs> At least two of us will invest and try. <laughs> Before we end today, what advice can you give our viewers on enjoying a simple life? Um, I think, you know, I think the most important part of enjoying a simple life is, is really staying present. I find that if I'm anxious, I'm thinking too much about the future. And if I'm depressed, same thing, anxiety and depression kind of go hand in hand for me, but you know, or if I'm angry, I'm thinking too much about the past, like, like just, I feel like, um, so I'm, I'm turning 46. I've already had cancer. I, I have, you know, it's not like it was like a life threatening type, but you just have no idea what life is going to deal to you. And I'm like, I'm ready to start taking things off my bucket list. I'm ready to, you know, eat the good chocolate and use the good China and stop prolonging happiness. Stop thinking that happiness is when I achieve something or when I'm happily remarried or when I, you know, think that my kids are successful in some way, you know, they already are, they are, they exist, therefore they are worthy to be loved and, and celebrated. And, and I think that life is the same way. Like no matter what your life is right now, you can find something every day that's worth celebrating. And um, my last little bit of advice every morning I start with journaling and I write three things I'm grateful for and three things I'm excited about. And the, the gratitude stuff is easy. The excited about stuff is a lot harder, but you know, I just force myself. And even if it's a long way in the future, something I'm excited about, or even if it's something little, like I'm excited that I might get to sleep in on Saturday, then I write it down and that really helps me start my day off with a positive view on how it's going to go. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us, Julie. It's been an absolute pleasure to be spending the evening with you and happy Mother's Day to a mother who I absolutely admire and adore and learn a great deal from. So cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Laurie. This has been wonderful. You're, You're such so a great cool. host. Thank you. And where can they find you, Julie, if they have any questions about your books or any questions at all um, tied to what we talked about this evening? So um, my website is juliannedonaldson.com and you can find me on Instagram as writer Julianne or Facebook as Julianne Donaldson. Perfect. We will add those links down below so it's an easy access to connect with Julie. And a special thanks goes to our sponsor, Creative Edge Publicity with Mickey Mickelson and Pam Stack at Authors on Air Global Network. Thank you for all those who have joined us this evening. And remember, as you go about the rest of your week, to look for the things that are working within your life, that you are the creator of your own story. 
And I'm sending a lot of love to all those mothers out there. And we appreciate you and all that you're doing to bring in the next generation of beautiful humans that are fabulous. Thank you so much again, Julie, for being here with us tonight. I just love and adore you. Thank you, Laurie. Love you too. Have a good one, everyone.